Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of After Dark with Jay and the Real. I am Jay, your host, and um, today's episode is really special. It's near and dear to my heart. I think it's a it's an important conversation between two sisters, um, completely raw, authentic, and unscripted. And I'm hoping that any listeners that have a very similar family dynamic can listen to our story, listen to our journey and gain some insight or clarity or whatever the things are that they need. And um, we're hoping that by sharing our story, we can touch at least one person. So I would like to welcome to After Dark, my dearest youngest sister, Carly, um, to the mic. And um, this is a conversation that she had brought to my attention that we both feel is important to have. So Carly, thank you so much for being here. I love you. Your time and energy is so much appreciated. And uh, yeah, welcome. So get, give a little shout out, say hello to everybody. Hi, well, thank you for having me and giving me this platform of yours to help share our story. And I think it's going to be a fun ride and I'm excited to see where this story takes us because like you said, it's not scripted. So to see where the story goes in the journey. Yeah, and it's interesting because right now in this moment, what we're doing is just another point and place and time of the journey because there's so much more to it. So I guess, you know, I always say starting at the beginning is the best place to start. And um, for our listeners, I'd love for you to kind of just talk a little bit about you know, how you came idea, how you came up with the idea of this topic, why it was important for you, kind of give a little background as to what, what you wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm becoming my own person. I'm in college. I'm thinking about my future and family and where I see myself in that realm. And I think recently in the past two years, I have really known that I want a family and I want to not just rely on something I've been shown in my whole life. I want to have, make those connections for myself and not just rely on our father for those connections. So I think I have tried to expand and really get to know you better as my sister, not just dad's daughter but where we stand and I think this was really important for me to have this conversation and just talk about our journeys and how we were symbiotic and where we are in this like place and time so that's why I thought this was a nice conversation to be had yeah so for for our listeners um there there are many who do know Um, me and Carly, and there are many, many others who don't. So to give you a little bit of background as to the story and and the reference to our father, um, what that means is we share the same father, different mothers. um, And interestingly enough, and it's for another episode of After Dark, is I'm actually adopted. So when we talk about the biology of sisterhood, there's absolutely no biology here in terms of blood, um, but in terms of our spirit and our souls and our hearts, uh, we're united and connected in that way. Um, And another piece of the background in sharing the same father is that 
we are significantly, um, there's a significant difference in our age range. So when we look at how we were raised um, in terms of the time in the world, and as we know, the last year alone has brought so many changes to everyone's lives, never mind the last 20 plus years and what that means for parenting and what's going on in society. So Carly and myself were raised by the same father in very different ways. Um, and so it's interesting to have these conversations with one another because perspectives are very, very different. Times are different and changing as always. And so that's just a little bit of the, the background that Carly was talking about. So thank yeah. you for sharing that part. And Well, I think you covered it really well. But, you know, going back to what you said, we were raised very differently. And I think the father, like Jay said, the father that we share, it's we have such different point of views. And, you know, our father, much love, but, you know, he has very hardcore beliefs that I think he's instilled in both of us. But how we've even like dealt with those beliefs, I think, are so different because of how he's evolved over time. And so it's so interesting when you tell me your stories of, you know, Christmas and his beliefs on the tattoos and things like that. It's more I know that, but it's how we've been raised is so different. But, you know, I think also going back to how you said we have an age difference we really were never raised in the same household you know you lived with me for I don't even know how many months five yeah, you six. Were, I was just leaving um I was in college when you were born and left shortly thereafter meaning probably the next couple of years um and what, what I am going to start by saying is someone very, very wise um, once said to me, I have four children. I'm not speaking for myself. This, this person said, I have four children and every single one of my children has a different father. <laughs> and that never left me because he spoke about how each child, each time frame of when you're raising your child um, personality type brings out different aspects of who you are as a parent. I am a parent and I happen to be a parent of four. So I understand that that statement very well and how it relates. So he would say that each one of his children had a different father because each one of his children was different and the timing in which he was parenting them was different, um, ever evolving. So yeah, um, another piece of background to add to what you were saying is our father is a very stoic, uh, you know, value driven, highly motivated, highly successful, very determined. Um, and what you would think, and, you know, sorry, dad, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're a, um, you, you come off as a very strict religious Jewish man, but we all know that when it comes time for Passover and the Haggadah, you've went from being very strict about it to let's eat. <laughs> That's the evolution of you. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So when Carly talks about, um, cultural beliefs in terms of tattoos and, um, Christmas, and also another very important piece, and I'll let you speak to that is, even though we have the same father, different mothers, both of our mothers are Puerto Rican. <laughs> Puerto Rican 
who were not practicing Judaism. Who were not practicing Judaism, who both converted. Yes. Correct. Yes, correct. So, so it's interesting. Makes for an interesting dynamic. <laughs> 100%. So, you know, I think I, although I would visit you and I really, my memories of visiting you don't start until you were engaged to Eric, your first husband. And even then it's still like a little blurry just because of my age, but we were never really raised in the same household. And you know, I only felt the connection via dad. You know, I, I always thought you were the coolest. I thought my older sister is beautiful, this, that, but it wasn't like we could really connect also just due to the fact that we were in obviously such different places. You're engaged, getting ready to get married. And I'm five years old, wondering where my next meal is. Like mm -hmm. I'm just thinking moment to moment. And, you know, it wasn't really until, and also with that, you and my mother had a pretty rocky relationship for a lot of the time. So I'm seeing like two sides of a coin. One, our father having all this love and of course, then trying to bring us together. And then you and my mom trying to figure, maybe trying to figure out what that's like. And I'm seeing little bickers here and there. And I actually, one, one argument you and my mother had that like has stayed in my mind. I don't even know if you realize, but I think you and Eric took me in your car to like maybe a CVS or like something nearby in the town. And I guess you and my mom had like a different thing going on that I just didn't realize. And it was like the screaming and it was wild. And like, I just like got like yanked out of the car and it was craziness. So it was really hard to see like, you know, as a child, five, six, I'm like, I don't know how to think, you know, your sister, you know, I'm not understanding the biology, the different parents and the backstory. I'm thinking, that's very weird. That doesn't really make sense. And yeah, so I think the, it was very hard for me to understand like where we stood. And as time progressed, you soon to get, you get pregnant, you have children. I'm going through my weird tweens and early teen years. And I'm thinking about what boy likes me? And, you know, we're just in such different stages. And I would always, though, I always remembered, I was so excited for Thanksgiving because we also, our father has a, another daughter um, from your mother, Luce, Lucy, and she has three children and one of which happens to be close to my age. And so I always remember me, you, and Skylar would kind of have like powwows. And I always felt like it was like the dynamic three. And I always looked over to Thanksgiving because you guys would stay over. So I don't think Lucy would stay over, but I always remembered Skylar would stay over. We would sleep together, crash on the couch. Like it was, that was something I felt like those were one of the rare moments in my early childhood where I felt like this is like sisterly bonding. This is mm -hmm. fun. And you know, and then I remember you had your children and I'll never forget, I was in first grade. I even remember the shirt I was wearing when Layla was born. And I told dad, I go, dad, you have to call. You have to break, take me out of class if Jay gives birth, like you have to. He goes, okay. And I remember I got the call and my 
Miss Lockery, my first grade teacher was like, all right, you know, your sister had a child, you're free to go. I ran and I was so excited. And, you know, it was those types of memories, but we never really had, and we couldn't have had the deep talks and connections that we have now because mm-hmm. you, which I do appreciate looking back, didn't want to like taint my image of anything. And you had your own thing with dad and my mom and you were very respect you were you were very respectful of where how I viewed them especially Mm -hmm. at that time and you were never trying to taint anything so it really wasn't until November of 2019 out on my senior year where you know we went out for dinner and I think you were still trying to like grapple like what kind of vibe this was you know this was our first dinner kind of like girls going out it was our our first dinner with my sister who is now an adult Mm -hmm. and it was the two of us as adults sitting at this table and I was I was grappling with am I sister and my mother and my friend because that's who I am I'm sister mother friend now in my life so I was like okay this can go many directions and as the older one and as your sister and being a mother, which is very important to this conversation, I had to really sit with what what were some of the things we were gonna talk about and how to be honest. And like you said, respecting your feelings about certain things. And before we go into that, I just wanna speak to kind of everything that you spoke to up to, up to that point of dinner, because that is where things changed. So, your earliest memories of me, obviously you were a kid. I have earlier memories. <laughs> I remember the day you were born. I remember being in the hospital um, and you know, lots of crazy things when you're a baby from needing a nebulizer and dad being freaked out that you were like choking or dying and waking me up at like two in the morning, like help me, you know, funny, fun stories. Um, but yes, so your mother and I had a very, very rocky relationship. And I had a very rocky relationship with my father too at that time. Because um, during that time of my life, my mother had passed. She was sick for a couple of years and passed when I was 13. And just turning into a woman for the first time alone. And naturally, dad lost, you know, his, his wife and his person for, for a very long time with a lot of children, um, and went through a three-year depression. So from the age of 13, when I lost my mother to the age of 16, dad was not a part of my life. I mean, he was present in the physical sense, but emotionally he was incapacitated because he was going through the loss and grief of, of the one he loved. And, Um, I was pretty much left alone. And that's just a fact. It's not a judgment. That's just what happens, right? Grief fucks up a lot of stuff emotionally for people. And it's not to blame, but that was the reality. So at age 16, three years later, still being alone in my world, which is very difficult, um, a a very difficult age range, never mind the things I was going through. um, Dad then met your mom when I was like 16, 17. So he went from being very absent in my life during an emotional time to very caught up in the whirlwind of a new relationship, which, which for the record, and I've said this to many people many times, everyone thought that I would be upset 
that my father was remarrying or had uh, a girlfriend or whatever the things were. And it was the contrary. I felt completely different. I was very excited to see him happy. I was very happy to have another woman, actually, another role model, another female figure in my life. Um, so all of those things felt in right alignment. But what ended up ultimately happening is dad kind of got carried away, like carried away in, in the distraction, which is not a negative thing. We all get carried away in love. Um, the timing was very bad for me as a, as a young kid. And then your mom had a very significant age difference to our dad. And she was like young, she was as young as my youngest sister. And there's, yeah. you know, and I'm one of six. So that was tough to, pill to swallow at that time. Cause I think when they met, she was 32, 33. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your mom was going through her growing pains you know, of, of what it's like to come into a family who just lost the matriarch three years prior, who is now has to um, kind of acclimate with everyone's feelings to kind of situate herself in a new home that didn't belong to her, to dealing with the only one child left home, which was a daughter who required a lot of her father's time and attention, which 32, 33, that is still a very young age. Um, and even when you're in it, you're 32, 33, you're like, I'm in my thirties, I'm an adult. But when you really look at the age, you're still just becoming. And she had her own stuff, right? We all have our own stuff, our own patterns, our own programming to deal with in life. And so we're faced with lessons and trials and tribulations. And so all of us learned many lessons and did this, this dance that wasn't so pretty for many years. Um, you know, and then I became, I, I dealt with the stress of, you know, moving homes that, that, that I grew up in my mother's home or things being moved around or, you know, or not being there anymore and, and, and starting a new life and a new family somewhere else. And so we, we had a rocky relationship to say the least. And it's interesting that, you know, and I'll go back to one of the first things you said, where you meant you remember that argument we had. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday because that was a turning point for me as well. Yes, we were in the car. Um, you wanted to ride with me and Eric and they were gonna ride separately. And I don't remember exactly what happened. I couldn't tell you the context of what happened. But what I can tell you is that I vividly remember the state of energetic being that I was in that day, which was very calm and very centered because unbeknownst to them, I just found out I was pregnant with my first child hours before. Oh my gosh. So when I went to your house that day, I was in a very like, I found out I was pregnant for the first time in my life. I'd been trying to, I was excited about it, but my body took mother form very quick and I was very calm. And this is not a judgment. This is just an observation. In fact, your mom is very different today than she was a long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, uh, hot, very hot headed. Yeah. <laughs> very hot, very, um, very hot. And so whatever the thing was, it could have been big. It could have been little. I remember it wasn't anything really that mattered that I can remember, but she got hot real quick. And I remember specifically staying very calm because I was like, I'm pregnant and I can't argue and I can't 
yell and I can't be the typical me, which would be me and her butting heads going to war all the time. And I remember that day I stayed very quiet because I didn't want to upset my baby, you know? Hey. And yes, she, she got very upset and she yanked you out of the car. I remember you had the seatbelt on. She was screaming. I want my daughter out of the car, took you out of the car. I don't really remember what happened or why that happened. Um, but being that angry was unnecessary regardless. And then I don't remember if we went our separate ways or continued the day. I don't remember what it was, but that's not important. Your memory stayed with you and that same memory stayed with me. Um, and so it took many years for us trying to heal that relationship for many reasons. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like my relationship with you was I had been in college for the first few years of your life, kind of like the way my older sister was in college the first few years of my life and then getting married, same kind of thing. So there was separation between us. And also as a child, what more is there to do but play and hug and love and take care of, right? There's no, there's no adult bond yet. It's just a, hey, can't wait to see my little sister. Now, something I wanna say is I used to beg dad when I was five years old to adopt another child for me, I was the youngest now of six. And I was like, dad, can you just please adopt another child because I want a baby sister. And he'll tell you, I knew this from when I was five years old. So when you were born was like one of the happiest days of my life. I'm gonna cry, don't do it. Was one of the happiest days of my life because I was like, I actually get the chance to have this in this lifetime. I get to have this baby sister. I get to have this, this other piece of my soul that I can grow with. And so for a long time, it felt like, ah, how is this gonna be because of the, the, the difficult relationship and dynamic we had. And I have to say that becoming a mother really shifts a lot of perspective. Um, you know, when you're a hot-headed teenager, um, whether it's for a reason or not, but we were both hot-headed women, you know, um, very stubborn. But when you become a mother, it changes things. And I noticed that in, in your mother too. When she became a mother and then she became a mother for the second time, there was this energy, a little bit more of a subdued energy. And I think that's natural for us. It's instinctual that we become a little bit, you know, we have the mother bear instinct, that fierce instinct, but then you also have that nurture, that little bit of that soft nurture that kind of kicks in in a way that you wouldn't have had before. And so the years went on, you saw me, you were the flower girl for my first wedding and you saw me through two marriages and now four children. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, all of that growth now brings you, Carly, to adulthood, right? The beginning of your adulthood, lots of emotional kind of constraints in between trying to figure out who you are, where do you fit in? What's our dynamic gonna be? And here we are now having dinner uh, in 2019. It was actually a month like two, or two before COVID hit yeah. and we went into lockdown. So I'm so grateful that that happened. So let's, we'll pick up from the uh, Mexican margarita night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I kind of went into it. I'm a very lighthearted person, I believe. I don't really put too much into things. I was kind of like, all right, we'll have dinner. I, it was interesting because this was 
the first time we were having this type of dynamic, you know, going to a Mexican restaurant, having margaritas, hanging out. So I was intrigued to see where the night brought us, but I was not fearful. I wouldn't say anxious fear was like any of the emotions I was having. Um, and I think, honestly, from what I remember, it kind of happened pretty quickly where we kind of got into this deep conversation of, you know, our stories and how we've felt about our lives and who we are and me explaining to you, you know. So I have a full younger brother who is uh, 15 and so your half brother. So that is all that and then you were really all I've known as siblings. But I thought it was really important for me to make this energy where you and I were able to connect without dad because our father, for me, for you, I think it's a normal age gap, but I have an older father. My, I'm 19 and our father is 70, 72. So, you know, I love him to death, hope he stays around forever. But the reality is that I knew I had to create relationships without him or else those relationships would die with him. And I, I am a mature person, I'm an old soul. And so I think about not just me, but my children. And I wanted to know that God forbid my, our father like, you know, passes away tomorrow. I have a relationship with my sister that doesn't go to the grave. And I think had we never, made that effort to work on it, it very easily could have. Yeah, because there was a, a, a aside from me, there was a strained relationship, which was a big reason why it took a while for us to connect is because you had a very strained relationship with your other older sister, my older sister, yes. um, between really between the strain was her and your mom. You know, the strain yeah. kind of left me and <laughs> passed on to the next one. Um, and they had and still have their issues, um, yeah. which is their story, not ours. Exactly. But but because of your age, you were kind of dragged into that. And as a child, it's hard to find your way and navigate through that. And like you said, if there wasn't some type of repair on your own, then yeah, the relationship, I mean, and, and this is no disrespect, but your mom, you know, I don't, I'm not so entirely sure she would nurture that relationship with me and Luce outside of dad if dad wasn't here. So yeah. and I think you felt that it's not a judgment. I think it's just what it is. Mm -hmm. um, even though we're much, your mom and I are come light years. And yeah. we, can get, we can get into that in a little while. Um, but you knew that you had to find your way through this relationship on your own because it, it was really kind of keep our relationship alive and then keep the legacy of dad alive, alive too. Exactly. And I know that dad always had that fear, whether he shared it a lot or not, but of what happens to that, you know, his two families who, you know, he's tried to connect so well, what happens? It just disappears. And I knew I had to take it upon myself because also I knew I was the youngest. So it was for really me to set the tone of what I was comfortable with. And then you kind of go with that because you and 
I say this so much because I genuinely mean it. You did not want to disrespect anything that I felt. And it really does mean a lot because, you know, like we've spoken, you and my mom had like a rocky relationship. There were points where you and dad had a rocky relationship. And, you know, the parents that I've witnessed for the past 19 years are very different than the ones you've known for the past 30 39 years and my mom for x amount of years so it was for me a good portion of that because what are they 23 years I think they're celebrating this year yeah Yeah, 23 yeah Yeah. so So a a good portion majority of my life exactly so you know I think I knew it was for me to set the tone and I'm a very open person I think I am a very I know how to talk we're both very communicative people and I think that dinner, we both realized we're pretty, at least I realized we're pretty similar. We are very much. And, you know, albeit we were raised in different environments with different, with really a different mindset of a father, we were very similar in the way we thought, the way we approached things, the way we felt about topics. So I thought, wow. And, you know, I got to hear your side of things on a very raw level that I never heard I heard one part of it from dad and my mom and you know even their stories sometimes don't coincide so then it's like all right hearing it from you and saying hey you know it's a not that different from what they say but then b like I understand it that makes sense and we feel these certain ways so for me that was wow okay like we're able to connect on this level that we never had before and have this really real authentic conversation Mm -hmm. and then within that conversation though we had spoken about my strained relationship with our older older sister Luce and you know that that for me is also still like a relationship I'm trying to navigate and I you know it's a very interesting um relationship just because of a another age gap there's that then it's figuring out, all right, how do I do things with respecting my mother, but still saying, okay, I'm allowed to do my own things and have my own relationship. So that was something, and it is still something I'm navigating, but I realized in that moment, it's for me to set the tone again with that individual relationship. And if I care about it, I have to nurture it. Mm -hmm. So I think that dinner really opened my eyes and I really came out of it like, wow, this was groundbreaking. And I think this is what we needed in order to have an authentic relationship because we could have kept going and not to say it wasn't authentic, but it was very, I felt like compared to what we have now, surface level, like no one, you know, we never really spoke about feelings and we, it was we never spoke about like the real deep things that I, there were points I think where we were tearing up and, you know, choking up. So I think that was a very pivotal time for you. I I also think that within your, your younger teen years, you know, you were going through some um, mental health challenges. And I remember, you know, dad coming to me and talking to me about some stuff because I think it, it it brought up some stuff that I had gone through um, when I was your age. And he leaned on me in certain ways to say, hey, this is very familiar and I don't know how to navigate this. 
we're navigating this over here on our end the way we can. But, and I was like, right on up in there. I was like, <laughs> this is, this is what, this is what sisters do. This is, this is how I could be a part of that journey for you. That was a part of opening up. That was when it was opening up stuff to just kind of dealing directly with some of the things that I knew you were feeling that were independent of my life and your life. But I think that started um, that the, the conscious vulnerability between us and then, you know, leading into now you're through that stuff. And we all listen, we all deal with our stuff. It comes and goes, it's like a visitor, you know? Um, but yeah, when we're having the conversation at the restaurant, um, you, what, what, and what I want everyone to take away just in this moment, who's listening is that the dance and the struggle that you did and still do in regards to respect for your mother and respect for your other family members, like me and your sister and your father is, is tough because ultimately what ends up happening is we perpetuate, uh, like almost like generational karma. And what I mean by that is that whatever your wounds, whatever the wounds of our mothers and fathers are, naturally as a pattern, if we're not as evolved or awake or aware, we hand those down to our children. They become part of our patterns and our structure. And then we pass that down and it goes down our, you know, our lineal lines into our children. And so that dance that you're referring to was how do I respect my mother and respect myself and respect my sisters? And the reality is, is it's a very fine dance. It's a, it's a, it's a, a difficult dance. And at the end of the day, it's about recognizing what is yours to carry and what is not yours to carry. What are your burdens and what is not your burden? And being able to set certain boundaries with love, boundaries with love. So that was the dance that you tried to navigate and are still navigating at times. Um, and I remember in having the conversations and answering some of the deep questions that you had asked me that night. And specifically, I know what you're talking about, having respect for, for mom and dad really is what this was because my relationship and my my difficulties specifically with your mother did not belong to you. And sitting at the table, not only as your older sister, but as a mother myself, the last thing that I would ever want is for my daughter, Layla or Amelia, to be sitting across the table from someone one day in life and have them speak ill of me to my child. Um, or not even ill, but speak of things that weren't my daughter's burden to carry. It wasn't their energy for them. And so I was very mindful of how I could express truth authentically without consuming and impinging upon your energy space, your heart and your feelings. The difference with dad is we share the same father and we could, I was able to be more open about being raised in my experiences with him because even though we were raised differently in many respects because of his evolution, not only as a, as getting older, right? People tend to mellow out when they get older or, you know, you see too much in life and you just, you know, you, you kind of pick and choose your battles. Our views and our, and our upbringing was very, very different. So it was a lot easier to talk about our father because when someone is truly like your parent, 
there's no judgment. It's just observation and experience. Whereas talking about your mom is, is, is much different in that sense. Um, so I appreciate that you felt that from me and that you received it that way from me because I did my best to be as tender and loving as possible. Um, and that, and that conversation did change the dynamic of us moving forward because I don't only feel that you're my younger sister, like, yes, you're my younger sister, quote unquote, but I don't view you that way. I view you as my equal age doesn't play a role for me and anyone really, but your spirit is is synchronistic with mine and and I view you on the same same place in life and I would turn to you and I have for support many times um and and you're my best friend you know that's where we've gotten to yeah I feel the same way and I think you know after that dinner unfortunately we headed into a year-long pandemic so (laughs) yeah visiting was you know we live two hours away so visiting wasn't really happening I you know, dad being 72 is not letting any of us leave the house for groceries, let alone a two hour trip. So, but we, you know, we spoke and I also felt that I could come to you and not be worried about, like, I don't want to say the wrong thing about dad or my mom, like this and that, like, I kind of would just call you and say, like, I, like, I remember, I don't even know what it was, but I think I got into a fight with dad I was just like hysterically crying I was not having it and it felt like finally like because although you have your best friends like who aren't related to you who you feel like you soulfully connect sometimes you just don't want to like even tell them your family things because as close as they may be they don't know your parents how somebody who was raised by your parents and although my mom didn't even raise you you still know her very well you lived with somebody that you gained incredible knowledge about somebody just with living with them so it's easier for me to come to you and talk to you and I felt like after that conversation we finally had that and then you know even so then we come a year later and let's hold on let's pause a second because I know I can just tell like we know what we're talking about but from a listener standpoint everyone's like what the fuck are they talking about like what is this (laughs) okay so let's do let's do a quick like cow is to milk as you know right so our father when I was being raised and with all due respect and love in the world if I came home with a candy cane (laughs) I I would sweat and freak out because dad was just you know he was very religious you know a lot of general generational stuff from the holocaust time so lots of programming that kind of like you know it's just it's steadfast and wired hardwired into you like I, we couldn't talk about Christmas, couldn't celebrate Christmas. He was very hardcore Jewish. And now over the last year, like you guys have a holiday spirit Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. And I think I also see from both your stories and even dad's stories, like I think things that you were sometimes, and tell me if I'm wrong, but some things that you were maybe fearful to talk about with dad, such as tattoos, Christmas, us not marrying a Jewish guy. Oh yeah. Now things like that, you were, you were very fearful of. And for me, I think there's times where I have my fearfulness, trust me, that I still have it. But I think, A, I think I, dad being older, I feel that he's able to have a certain outlook on life that he may not have been able to have at that age. Correct. And also I have a mother. And I think that I have a mother in the picture during these 
my de de developmental years who is able to help ease the blow and who's able to back me up. And I think about that and I feel so bad that you didn't have that because it was you going into a almost like, and no disrespect to dad, but like a battle by yourself with mm -hmm. no help. Whereas I feel like, okay, like if I have my mom on my side, then mm -hmm. it helps everything. And well, I think the, the big missing factor, and I don't know if you're missing it, but whoever's listening doesn't realize it is that you, there's gotta be an understanding too that um, the fear of these conversations for me, whether it was tattoos or religion, marrying, who am I marrying? What am I you know, gonna be when I grow up kind of conversation? The fear wasn't, oh, dad's gonna be mad. Whereas like, that was your fear. Dad's gonna be mad and I have my mom to support me. Um, because dad is just emotionally unavailable, right? He doesn't, he deals well with life. He deals well with decision-making. He deals well with the facts. When it comes to um, being emotionally available, that is not in his wheelhouse. Um, not because he's a bad person, but because he didn't have, he didn't have access to that when he was a child, nor did he have the tools. Again, go back to generation, different times. You didn't do therapy back then. So he was unemotionally available to me and unemotionally available to you, the difference is, is my fear didn't come from, oh, dad's gonna be upset, I can't have these hard conversations. The fear was a whole different monster that you can't fathom because your life isn't that way, but I was adopted. Dad was not quote unquote my father, so to speak. Mom wasn't even my mother, so to speak. And dad's go-to was if you don't, agree with my beliefs and values and do things my way, then I cut you out of my life. That's how, that's how um, quickly you can either gain or lose approval. And I've seen it. So whether or not, you know, I know it's not something to be proud of, and I'm sure it would be difficult for him to hear this. He used to very easily just cut people out of his life. And because I was one of six and I witnessed that with other siblings. So as a child, I sit here and say, how could you just cut a, a cut one of your children out of your life, right? I'm already dealing with abandonment issues. I'm adopted as it is. This isn't dad's gonna be unhappy. This is if I don't agree and his way or the highway, I'm literally will not have a family anymore. Mm -hmm. Like. Like I will cease to exist. Like I will be kicked out of the house and I will not be his daughter. So that's a fear that is different than, you know, so the fear that I held, it's fear. We both have fear, but the fear that I was coming from was very torturous and scary and like frighteningly alone as a child into adulthood. And you say 2019, we had this, this is when our relationship changed and we had this dinner Ironically enough, 2019 is, you know, 39 years or at that time, 38 years later with dad, um, he and I had our conversation, our sit down for hours and hours for a few days where he and I spoke about things we've never talked about before and we healed. So you and I healed the same year that dad and I healed and COVID Oddly enough, you know, look, there's silver lining in everything. That was one of the things that I'm most grateful for was the time to sit back and really think 
and talk to the people that you love because the world was in a state that we've never recognized and you didn't know what the next day was going to bring. So I think 2019 was a crucial year, 2019-20 and going into 21 has been a crucial couple of years for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I think how you, going back to what you said about dad's threat of cutting you out, he said the same thing to me, but I don't think how I viewed it was nearly as existential as you viewed it because you, as you said, you saw it happen in your own eyes and you have this fear, okay, well, I'm not genetic, so can it really be that simple? Whereas for me, I said, all right, you're, and for me, I had a very different outlook. I kind of said, you can cut me out for doing something. I'm not a criminal. I'm not slinging drugs. I'm not a bad person. I'm doing something that doesn't agree with you. And you want to cut me out? All right, so so be it. But I also knew, God forbid, that would have been the case. And he really did do that. I had my mom. You had your mother, exactly. Mom, who like it or not, would stand by me no matter what. And I think that is such, and it, there's so many times where I just want to hug your younger self, like your 13-year-old self or going through so many scary things and without having that, you know, and you said it to me, you were living alone, although you had these six other siblings. After your mom's passing, they weren't really living at the house. So you're living in this big house, almost alone, and you're having to deal with so many things in it. I don't know where I would be without my mother. So it makes me like where you've come to this point without having that mother really is beyond me because I think that just is a testament to how strong you are and you were able to deal and grapple with all these emotions and grievances and just different things you know graduating high school getting your period graduating college like those are things you want to share and I you know I think it's just so unfortunate that not only did you not have a physical parent but you also didn't have an emotional parent I think yeah and 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 having six siblings and clarifying that or be sorry being having five siblings at that point in my life, I had already actually lost one who died at a young age. Um, and everyone was off doing their own life. Again, no judgment, but just I was alone, yeah. fully alone. And like, yeah, you paint the picture, you know, grew up well-to-do, beautiful home. And I grew up like with, with the help, you know, with housekeepers who were not housekeepers. They became my family. Like we were friends and they took care of me. Um, and, and I, and I look back though, I held a lot of, um, I held a lot of, I guess, resentment and anger at certain times towards dad, because I was like, what the fuck, you know, I'm home alone. You're out, you're doing your thing. I'm, I'm with, you know, our, our, our help. Where are you? <clears throat> but as I got older and started to understand grief and started to understand these things as you become a, a more of a seasoned adult, if you will. I look back and I, and I have such compassion and deep, deep compassion and, and empathy for what he was going through because I don't know what I would do. I, I look at myself now with four children if I lost my husband. Like, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I could 
put a smile on my face or how I could not want to escape. I mean, there are moments just as a mom with a happy life, a beautiful life that I have, where I'm like, I need a damn break. I just want to get out of here, you know? Um, so I can't imagine going through all of those emotions. And he was by himself going through that. Like, yeah, we all have friends, but when you're going through grief like that, you don't, there's nothing that anybody could ever understand and nothing that anybody can say to make it better. It's just a process that time takes, it takes time to heal. So I truly believe you can heal your past. I know some people might not agree with me, but I believe you can heal your past through how you evolve and how you view things and the lens that you view. I think it's possible to heal certain things. It doesn't mean that those things didn't happen, but there are parts of you that you can heal and mend over time. Um, and, and your mom and I had, as I got older and more mature, and it was once I became a mother, as I alluded to before, um, our differences were less apparent because we had more in common now being moms. Um, and there was a point in time specifically where things shifted for me. I could speak to that at some point, um, when I, I felt differently and, and my relationship with your mother healed on a much bigger level. Um, but I don't want to go past where we kind of ended off, which was you talking about, um, shit. <laughs> I think so. Like we're almost, we're now I would say probably to the next November ish. Yeah. And within this year of COVID and I still, you know, we had had that conversation about how you relayed how our older sister felt about how almost the cookie crumbled and how things have happened and emotions that I never even knew existed because I've just never had that conversation with her. Oh yeah. Because yeah. So that's where we were. Yeah. The, the issues that were going on in the family in regards to our older sister between her and your mom and dad were what put a space divider between you and me because yeah. I felt like, and I'm sure we felt very similar. You're like, well, I'll speak for myself. I'm like, Hey, like this whole thing is our family, but this is my big sister. And I need to be in support of her as I would be of you. Um, quite frankly, I didn't support any of the issues that were going on at all. Um, I still don't, but, but I knew that I had to, what was important to me was family. And that I knew that those issues didn't belong to me or you. Mm -hmm, had nothing exactly. to do with us. But as family, we're family, right? So this is where this moment is where you see families fall apart. Yeah. This moment is where you see up oh, this, you know, side, this side and that side, nobody talks. And hell, if I was going to let that happen. And I know that you got to a place where you're like, hold on a second. Yeah, I think you know, you come to a point where you have to, like you've said before, decide whether you're going to carry other people's weights, whether it's your husband, your friend, your sister, your mother, whatever, whoever it is, you have to decide, is this a battle I am worth, I'm willing to fight? A, B, is it my battle worth fighting for? And I felt no to both of those things. And I really, in my heart of heart, what felt I don't have any, I've never had a bad encounter. I've never had a bad situation. If anything, I have extremely fond, I happen to be closer in age with her children. So, but I have very fond memories of the three children and, you know, 
going back to the holidays and spending time. So if anything, I only really had fond memories, no bad negative memories. And anything I did have was coming from my parents. Mm-hmm. And so we had had that conversation and I'm not a quick person. I don't like to make sudden decisions. I think it's important to think because once you make a decision, once you do something, you can't take it back. So I never wanted to extend an olive branch to our older sister unless it really felt genuine, unless I felt like I could genuinely go forward with this relationship because I didn't think it was fair for me to say, hey, we're good. I, you know, want to create this relationship and then just like let it float in the air. I don't think that was right. I didn't feel that was right. So I think I sat with it for like seven or eight months post our dinner, really grappling, like, is this something I want? And, you know, it's like, it's scary because, you know, I didn't want to taint a relationship with anybody. I didn't want to disrespect anybody. It was, you know, I had to talk things over with my own mother, with dad and and I had spoken to my mother and I said you know mom my love for you it's a the love between a child and a mother but especially a daughter and a mother it's infinite and it's electric and I explained this to her and I said I would never do something to hurt you but you also have to understand I need to create my own relationships and there's going to be a time where we surpass you and dad and I don't want to be alone I don't want to just have one sibling one sibling when I have the option I do have these two others that I could create memories with when I'm older and when my children get older and I didn't think that was fair for me to cut myself out due to problems that weren't mine so about I would say eight months later, I had called out our older sister and I said, you know, listen, I really want to reach out and extend this olive branch and know that any feelings that, you know, you may have felt I had or I have expressed I've had are really terminated. I don't feel this way. If anything, I feel the opposite. I want to start on like a clean slate and I could tell I mean you don't it's very hard to fake emotions unless you're a Grammy winning actor (laughs) um and her emotions were very raw and I could tell it really meant a lot a lot more than I thought it would ever mean to her you know I never really thought I even crossed her mind let alone the emotions I was being I saw I heard so I think that was another huge step in like mending this family and you know I view our family there's the parents but now it's really us and it's how we are gonna set the tone for our futures and I think that was something really important for me because if I didn't do it now it would be so hard to do it later so now we go to November of 2020 so this past Thanksgiving which was our very first now now for everyone listening Thanksgiving is like the holiday tradition of our whole family and it is coupled with dad's birthday and it's 
always since I was a child, a huge celebration, lots of people, lots of love, lots of food. It is the traditional, actually it's not traditional at all. <laughs> There's no traditional food really, maybe a couple of things because you, you got a lot of Spanish stuff going yeah. on, a lot of, um, but it's just a lot of love, a lot of people, a lot of laughter and lots of stuff. And then it changed a little bit because I started having children and I just had my fourth a year before. And so I started taking over some of the traditions Now we're going back and forth every other year. Mm -hmm. So bring us to November, 2020. This was the first time. Yeah. So this is a Thanksgiving and, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So how I've, how we've always done Thanksgiving at my house was 30 plus people, buffet style, crazy amount of people. And of course that couldn't have happened. There was no way to make that happen safely. And, and that was I, the norm. That, that was the norm. That was having the norm. Like of people. Yeah, exactly. And I think you had decided for your family, you want to create a more intimate moment, which was the complete opposite of what we, what like my mom throws. So, and that, and I had been doing that since my fourth child was born because she's born in the fall. And I'm like, you know what? I want to create traditions for my kids now. And we live so far away that it's like Thanksgiving becomes like argu- like a task. And, yes. and then with COVID, I was like, it really means a lot to have finally, because this had been the plan for years and it never happened, to have you guys here without friends, without extended family, just an intimate, let's be together and see if we could just do that <laughs> once, you know? Exactly. A big think, deal. Yeah, and I think, you know, our father, he is a very generous person and likes to include as many people as possible. And that just wasn't the vibe you were going for. And on, on, and on top of that, there was a pandemic still. Yeah. So, you know, I remember, I don't, I believe, I know dad was like deciding whether we do, whether we not. And like, I know at, there was a point he was leaning towards just like, no, I don't think so. I don't want to do it without his siblings. And I remember you had like spoken to me. We had a conversation. It was maybe like a 20 minute phone call and it wasn't even going to pertain to this, but it ended up leading to, and you expressing to me, you know, A, how much this meant to you and really the sentiments of what this dinner would mean. And I felt it and I said, you know, it makes no sense to not do it now. If there's ever a time to do it, it is to do it now. And I think our father is somebody who sometimes needs to be spoken to and like almost hear different points of views, not just because he can make a decision like that in a snap and it's done where that's not how great decisions are. He's a, he's an attorney and he's a judge. He's got to hear all of it so that he can put it together and make a decision. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, I felt, I also felt that you and I were in a place where this is what family, but this is what sisters do. You, you know, we never had the typical sister arguments of, oh, like let her out of the house, like this, that, that, because we just weren't being raised in the same time period. So it kind of felt like this is what a sister does for her sister. Like I heard how much it meant to you. I know how much it meant to you. I know that it has been something that was being anticipated for so much time and it's always fallen through. And I felt there's no better time than to do it now. So 
I remember I had spoken to dad and I said, you know, I think you should think about it. Don't say yes and then back out. Think about it, let it simmer and then come to your answer. And I remember he had told me, okay, we're going to do it at Jay's. Like this is happening. And I said, you should call her. I know it would really mean a lot. And I remember he has you on the phone and you're ready for him to like give you a spiel. And you were ready just to be like, you know what? I don't think it's going to work and explain that conversation because that was your conversation. Yeah. So Thanksgiving for me, like after, obviously we had these types of Thanksgivings before my mom passed and after my mom passed, but after my mom passed, naturally just Thanksgiving, nothing felt like anything. You know what I mean? Nothing felt like a holiday anymore. Um, And even though Thanksgivings were so big and so great and so grand, and we can, I could see people I haven't seen. Once I had children, I was like, I love bringing the kids to grandpa's right for Thanksgiving, but I don't want to be the mom who never cooks for Thanksgiving. Like, I don't want to be the mom that doesn't sit in the kitchen with her kids. And it's got to start at a young age. And mind you, my daughter's going to be 13. So I think a lot of enough time has passed. (laughs) Um, So, and dad has backed out from coming before. So it was super sensitive during COVID. Um, And I was expecting the whole spiel about, a million things as to why he couldn't come this year. Um, and so, yeah, so when I got on the phone and I was ready for him to tell me, I really would, you know, if you can, it's always, con- I love you, dad, but everything is conditions. It's like, I'll do this, but how about, could we change this? Or I'll do this. And how about we add this? And I was not compromising this year on Thanksgiving. And it was just a, a judgment for me, like a moral thing and, you know, what I wanted. And and yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. He was like, you know what? I would really like to, we're going to come. And it was a whole different conversation than I had anticipated. And I cried. I cried because as you had mentioned a few minutes ago, dad has to be spoken to in a certain way. I was the youngest of six, mind you, by 15 years. So when I was born, the next youngest one was 15. And then it goes on from there. And I was always the spokesperson. The I was always the baby who was the spokesperson for everyone in my siblings if something wrong happened or dad wanted to was having a hard time or you know somebody needed dad to see the light so to speak or I was always the baby talking for everyone and helping to change his mind or see a different point of view and I never had anyone speak for me I never had anyone back me up I never had anybody you know talk about my emotions to him I was alone I was truly alone and so this was the first time in my life, in my family dynamic, where it's like my younger sister stepped up to the plate, like, and she, and comparatively, you're a kid, right? It's like, but you're a young adult, but, and you're talking to dad and you mirrored me and my relationship with him many years ago. And I never had someone to stand up and step up and be so forthcoming about how you felt and how I was feeling and why it was important. And it, I was so emotional about it for so many reasons. Cause I was like, wow, my younger sister came through for me. I didn't expect it, nor did I even think you were going to oh, speak yeah. about it. But the fact that I had the realization that I had you that way in my life, that I wasn't just the older sister who was always the support system that I actually had my younger sister to be my support in many ways was humbling and very emotional. And the fact that you played the same role as I did and dad heard you and he heard your perspective and he heard 
he can hear you speak because we're very similar, like you said, and his decision to have the whole family here um, was so meaningful and priceless, especially during this period of time in life that we were experiencing that being together in, and with our older sister, mind you, and her mm -hmm. children, which was the, the dynamic of what has been needed to be healed for a very long time. And even though it's not fully there, we are, you and I are, and we actually in a few weeks have our first sister outing together for the first time, um, which will be real. I'm very much excited for mm -hmm. it and, and interested as to what that brings. Um, but yeah, so here we are Thanksgiving and we had an amazing time. It was wonderful. It was exactly. And it was so different than anything I've ever experienced for Thanksgiving, but it was beautiful in its own way. And, you know, I got to connect, I feel with our older sister and her child and, you know, hang out with your four kids and it's, really rarities because of a how busy we are the distance between us so to have those moments and not having any outsider influence our father he could he everybody wants a piece of him everybody wants his attention and I think I'm not where you are with having children but I think I could understand like you want your children to know grandpa and you know I think you dad helped make the whipped cream that you and I have fond memories of from when we yeah. were children. And that's what I, that's one of the things I told the kids about, like, and, and before you continue, just, just painting a picture of dad is that yes, everybody wants a piece of dad and dad is makes himself very accessible because he is of service and he helps everybody. There's also a part of him that can't live not being that way. He needs to be the center of attention and he needs to be needed and wanted and valued. That's his whole psychology. And he needs to keep moving and he needs to always be doing and be a busybody. He can't sit still. You know, he, he, he can never stay in one place for so long. And Thanksgiving is an event. And so when I would go, there's no talking to your dad or sitting down and really sitting in gratitude and having that heart to heart. It's just like, you see him from the other side of the room, 60 people later. It's not for me, it wasn't like truly like a, you know, like, let me sit here and really bond because it was also a celebration of his birthday. So he should be yeah. celebrating. But when we were here, it was very different. Like you said, from what you typically have experienced, but, and that's what I wanted because the kids don't know their grandfather to sit in one place. They don't know him to read stories. They don't know him to share traditions and traditions. Speaking of one was his freaking awesome homemade whipped cream that I kept telling the kids, grandpa's going to come. We're going to make homemade whipped cream. And he did that with them, which was awesome. Yeah, I think it was really special. And I think you had said something to him that I know stuck with him was dad, you know, albeit raised six children really only stays in touch only stays in touch really with two you and our older sister so and you know he for whatever the reason he's not very close with our older sister's children so it's really your children that are the only ones as of now that he has that grandfather connection with the granddad yeah, because they're they're adults too now Exactly. So it was different. And now he has these children. And he had said to me, like, I had pointed out to him, I said, Dad, like, these are your grandchildren. 
like you come and I say, I don't even want to say complain, but there have been times where you would say like, I don't feel like I'm a grandfather that they view me like any of the other grandkids, not just our older sisters, but everybody's yes. view me as a grandfather and for various reasons. And that's no fault of anybody. Dynamics are different, but I didn't want my kids to, to grow up that way either. And I kept stressing to him, like you have an opportunity here. Like we want that. We want you as grandpa. My children view are excited to be with you, excited to talk to you, excited to share time with you. And you need to wake up to that reality that you can have that as a reality in your life, but you have to be open to it. And the only thing stopping you is you at this point. And I said, they, to you, to them, you are grandpa and we have to start doing and being more available as grandpa. And I know that he's never felt that way before with other children. So he, it was, it, it stuck with him a lot. Yeah. And I even spoke to him privately about this, that, you know, and it sucks and I hate even thinking about it, but I just on a time frame sensibly, I don't know how long he would have with my children. And of course, you know, when a, I'm sure as you do with your children about your mother, you tell them stories, you try to keep the legacy, but it's, it would be so nice for him to a, have that feeling for himself, to yeah. know what it's like to be a grandfather, to children who will remember him, who will then also pass their, his legacy down. And then on top of that, for your children to be able to one day tell my children, yeah, you know, our granddad, like he made the best whipped cream and, you know, he was a little tired, but he was funny and he had these jokes and that and he took and he took us to Coney Island and passed down the tradition. You know, our dad grew up in Coney Island. That that was a playground of his childhood, which he passed down to me. Those are my favorite childhood memories. And he passed it down to you guys. And he 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 can say now he's here with us that he passed it down to his grandchildren. And if you want to be real literal, his great grandchildren. My children are dad's yeah. children. And I know that might be very complex <laughs> for the audience to understand. And that's another episode, but my children are really his great grandchildren and he passed that tradition down. So yeah, my children, I mean, I don't know how old your children will be or if they will be, yeah. even, you know, and so he exactly. did that and it carry that on for him. And it was going back to the beginning of this podcast, which is you saying, I'm making a choice uh, on the direction of my life and, and my family and what, what I'm going to, to pass down generation to generation. You can now pass these pieces too. Exactly. And I think it's, I don't, we, have never really been as a collective a traditional family from we're just not traditional there's nothing <laughs> traditional about us tradition went out the door <laughs> yeah tradition and, went out the door when dad was 19 yes exactly <laughs> tradition J- James Dean James Dean you know back in the day that was dad James Dean meeting the Puerto Rican mommy who doesn't speak a word of English <laughs> buying a mango it was game over. Tradition went out the window. <laughs> Blew out. And I am so happy because I don't know if I would have ever done it. I don't know if I would have ever had the opportunity, but you have been so persistent 
on creating not only memories, but traditions almost. And saying, you know what, dad, this means a lot to me. And you and I both, I grew up in Coney Island. That's where our grandmother lived up until she passed away. Like I have clear memories. Some of, again, my best childhood memories are in Coney Island. And so you are so persistent on saying, this is what I want to do for my children. And I am so happy you were able to give that to your children. And, you know, this memory and also it included our older sister. Yeah. And that was also something special that, you know, we were able to share. And I had actually left early for whatever the reason. And our, and dad was so mad at me and I couldn't understand. I couldn't grapple it. I, in my head, you know, I'm young, I'm, I'm leaving, what's up? And it took him a week and a therapy session later to say, you know what? It wasn't about the act of leaving. It was what was being created. And I, I was able to understand that later that it wasn't because it wasn't the act of, it was what I was leaving. And then on top of that, to hear how special those memories were for him. And, you know, I, as our father has gotten older, I think he doesn't really know how to sometimes relate to young children. I think that's hard for him. And I saw him with Orion, your son, playing these like video games in the arcade and he's holding Elijah's hand. And I saw that and I think these are the moments that he's starting to really feel like a grandfather, that he's never felt this way before. And it's so amazing that your kids and your oldest is turning 13. You know, she is becoming her own person now. And it's very, you know, you don't really know. She's, I'm sure, trying to figure it out. And I'm happy that she is able to see our dad in that light because she, your children are the next generation. And that's so crazy to think. But I'm so happy, like, in friggin' again, technicalities. He's been able to keep his legacy on three generations, your mm -hmm. children being the third. And I think you couldn't ask for a better progression, I think, in this whole symbiotic relationships and where we've came. And I think I've grown since our, let's say, 2019 November dinner. Dad, I think, has grown since... I would say Thanksgiving and you guys having your own conversations and you both exploring what everything means to you both. And I think we've, you and I have had conversations about me now evolving past any view, traditional views that maybe our father has tried to bestow on us that we feel don't really fit our life. And I think, you know, one of which is a tattoo. <laughs> and it sounds so silly, but, you know, a tattoo, but it really is something that is so important to our father. And for what reason, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but well, I will, I will okay. definitely be okay with speaking for him Yeah, because it wasn't until I was 39 years old that my dad and I talked about how I told him I had tattoos, um, one, two, three to be exact. I think he's only seen one. Um, he did tell me he saw one a long time ago and he was not happy about it. 
but our dad does not like tattoos. He has very strong feelings about them, so much so that I'll tell you why I never told him and why I was so scared to tell him. I got my first tattoo when I was 15. Quick side note story. Um, after my mom passed, there was a lot of significance as to what I got, why I got it a couple of years later, but I didn't tell him. And I waited a couple of years to get the tattoo because I actually wanted the tattoo um, probably right around when she died. But the reason why I didn't tell him or I didn't get it at first was because I was so afraid that how crazy this is. I was so afraid that God forbid something happened to me prematurely in his lifetime where he had to bury his child. Let's just say, cause shit like that happens all the time, every day to people. I was terrified that he would bury me in a Jewish cemetery and then find out I couldn't be buried there because I had tattoo on my body. Like I wouldn't be around for the wrath of him or the disappointment, <laughs> but the fact that that's how much it meant to him and that I didn't want to disappoint him even in death. How crazy. And I wouldn't, you know what I mean? So eventually I got past that, but that was it, whatever. That was neither here nor there, but I got past that. And so I was terrified and I'm almost 40 years old. And it's like, seriously, you're holding on to this. And I would listen, don't judge me people, <laughs> but I would like buy one piece bathing suits and never wear bikinis around him so that he wouldn't see my uh, tattoos, even as an adult and as a mother. And it's like, how the hell as an adult are you holding on to like, this is nuts. This is just, you don't do that to yourself. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. That's other issues, but that kind of demonstrate how scary he was and how hardcore his beliefs were and how fearful I was of being abandoned for my own reasons. God forbid I didn't listen. And the tattoo thing was very important to him. And the reason why I prefaced all of that and me speaking for him, which I'm comfortable doing because he and I actually just talked about it a few days ago, is that tattoo ink specifically tattoos for our dad um are representative of the holocaust he ink equals the holocaust ink equals um death ink equals being burned alive ink equals concentration camps and having numbers put on your body um and ink equals hatred so, and that's how he was raised. That's his belief system. That was his reality. That was not made up. This was his life. And tattoos equal drunken sailors in the ports, you know, that would come and do crazy, stupid things without thinking. And so all of the symbolism and the energy behind tattoos was just so reckless and hurtful and and full of fear and stuff and anguish that when he thinks about marking our bodies, that's what he, that is the programming that he latches onto. And I know that a tattoo is a big, was a big thing for you. And you had your feelings about what you wanted and you're putting thought into it. And you were going to have this conversation with dad, which I'm just going to say could never have been a conversation that I would have had at 19, you know, years old. Like if when I was that young, it would have never been a conversation. It would have been, I'm out of the house. I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer his daughter kind of deal. And that it was reality as harsh as that seems, that was reality. And, um, and I'm going to let you speak to, to your experience with this whole thing. But what I told him was that I asked him to share with me 
how he felt, which is how I learned this and why I feel okay to speak for him about that. But what I told him is, is that, you know, we're all products of our programming and what we believe and feel like we talked about carrying that energy, you know, what belongs to you, what doesn't is I told him that if you could redefine ink to re to really reintroduce it to yourself and understand it in a different way, right? Perspective and perception is so important that if you could redefine ink from being um, horrible and horrifying with the experiences that you grew up with to liberating and freeing and creative and expressive because that's what it is for you and me. It's not what he feels about it. So share, you know, Gad, you share your experience before I, because it's relevant yeah. to what you're going through right now. Yeah. Um, like you said, I think, you know, I really never even thought about how he, why he felt the way he felt until you just expressed that. And putting things in context, the Holocaust happened only 10 years before he was born. So this was prevalent. This wasn't for us now going back generations and decades this was a decade earlier so that was his reality yeah. exactly and anti-semitism was at a high so I understand that and you know I think I choose to continue Judaism in my life in my adulthood and um and I think that you have to create whether it's a religion um a belief system that you choose to practice you have to make it work for you and you have to say things mold for you differently. So I don't practice, we're not kosher, but it doesn't make me feel any less Jewish as does getting a tattoo would not make me feel any less Jewish. I think we have to create what works for us. And, you know, I would never do something to hurt anybody. I don't think, and I know you never did anything to hurt dad. And I always try to try to express that to him and I will never do anything that to disrespect him. I never, it's not a slap in the face. It's not a F you. It's, I need to also do this for myself. And you can't live life doing things for other people. You know, how crazy would it be if we told our father, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do this because my husband doesn't like it. He would say, so what, you know, do what you want to do. And I've had over months, it's been over a year of a worth of a conversation that I've had back and forth with dad, really allowing both of us to process our feelings and hearing each other. And it's so interesting that we're doing this podcast now where two days ago, I got an email and it's from dad and the title goes, the love of a father. I, I'm thinking, okay, you know, we're in a great place. I have, we haven't had a conversation about a tattoo recently and I read it and it's like, Along, our father is very poetic. He's an he's an amazing writer. He is a true wordsmith. That's where I got it from. Yes, and so the he's saying he's like telling me how much he loves me and all these fond memories we have. And I'm thinking, all right, this is beautiful, but really out of nowhere. And at the end, he concludes this um, email by saying, "I have to allow you to make choices for yourself." And a tattoo is one of them. I would hope you would talk to me about it before you choose to get one, explain it to me, but you will have my love regardless. And that really meant a lot because 
I really did believe and I fell and I don't discredit those feelings that I know I would still have his love, but he would look at me differently. And that is very hard for any child, blood or not, to think that your parents would look at you differently because of something that isn't, it's not like a crime. And so for him to really say that and be truthful about it, to say, you have my unconditional love and you have, I will not change how I view you is a milestone in our books. And, you know, I think it was the bravery of you to say to dad, all right, you know, even though maybe he knew about one, I have these other tattoos and this is what it meant for me and what it could mean for you if you choose to have those lens. And, you know, I think then we go to another topic of marrying non-Jewish. Although- Let me sidestep that for a quick second. Yeah, the nature, the conversation, at least the tattoo portion, or actually the whole basis for my conversation with him and the tattoo being a part of it was that there's a part of me that felt so imprisoned within myself and our relationship, meaning me and dad, because I felt like he only had this one view of me, which was his long time ago view of the kid who lost her mother and who really wasn't very much a part of her life up until this point. You know, he ebbed and flowed based on his conditions and what he wanted to be a part of and what resonated for him. And so that that's a lot of trauma and a lot of emotional stuff that played a role and it took a, took a you know, it took, took a lot of energy out of us and me. Um, but the tattoo portion of it was about me choosing things for myself, not being afraid of, I can control how he feels, but it took me that long to not be afraid of his disappointment, to not be afraid if he viewed me differently, no matter how much it was going to hurt, because I can't live my life feeling like a prisoner within my own body and within my own space. And it's like, I, I started the conversation with him. And again, the tattoo was just one of the many things we talked about, about, hey, dad, it's important we have a conversation, however long this takes for you to get to really know who I am, not who you think I am and who you view me to be. Because maybe some of those things are because you're my father and you know me, but there's a lot you don't know about me and a lot that I want you to get to know before you leave this planet. Because the reality is, is none of us know how much time we have left. And I want you to know me for me and respect me for me, not your idea of me. Because that's where relationships go wrong is when you're in relation to someone because of the idea you have of them, not who they really are. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how that came up for us. And and then, like you said, moving into the other topics of marrying, you know, the same religion. Yeah, I think, again, this was even something that's been instilled since I was a child. Um, before, before even I ever thought of liking a boy, it was, you're married Jewish. Done. That's it. And I always kind of thought, a little hypocritical being that he didn't choose that route but all right you know I never twice and and even in dating he was like no he loved he loved the lat you know the 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 Latin culture Latin culture so what are we talking about here yeah so you know I never had a need to question it because dating nor marriage was ever on my agenda and now that I do date and I don't date for marriage but you know, marriage will come eventually. And 
it's important to have those conversations because I want to know that God forbid my father left the planet tomorrow, that we had a conversation. I know he could be content with my decision. Um, and, you know, that was also a really hard conversation. And you went through the reality of it. I've only had the conversation. And it's explaining in his views, I know, and I could talk about this on his behalf, is he feels that a Jewish man will be a good provider, uh, someone who's very loyal, and all the great qualities you look for in a husband. And I think that he takes only himself as that view because he happens to be Jewish and he happens to be all those things and a provider, a caregiver, whatnot. And so he's like, yeah, take, get somebody like me and you're fine. Yeah. It's a very one-dimensional view because it ends up not being about Judaism at all. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I grew up in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood where I was surrounded by Jewish boys. And I actually had this conversation with dad a few months ago where I was bullied for not being Jewish enough by boys, for not having a Jewish figure because I am half Puerto Rican. I have a Puerto Rican figure. I, Jewish boys would look at me and say, we wouldn't marry you because you're not Jewish enough. Wow. And that was another reason why I ended up having my mental health issues and why I, you know, why I never felt comfortable with a Jewish boy. And anyone I've ever really tried to pursue was not Jewish. And it took for me to explain all of this to him to say, just because somebody's Jewish or any religion does not make them a good or bad person. So you cannot say, marry Jewish and you'll be okay. You know, you, that's it's kind, it's kind of crazy if you actually think about that statement. Yeah. That, that's probably the bulk of our problems today when it comes to just all the things that we're dealing with to make that statement, even though that's not what he meant. But like you could be, you could be anything and be a bad person. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's so foolish to say something like that. And, but you know, if you he, know it, I know that's not what he really meant, but that's. Oh, no, yes. But, you know, and I had to explain that I also look for certain qualities that what I've seen in what I've been shown of solely Jewish guys, I haven't found. And it's no hate towards any religion, culture. It's just what I've seen and what I've observed. And it really was a hard reality, but I asked him, and it's a very simple question and it has a very simple answer, truthfully. Would you rather me marry Jewish and be miserable and me not find a great guy, but he's Jewish, so he qualifies okay? Or marry the man of my dreams, somebody who will be amazing who whether he's Jewish or not it doesn't matter and you know (laughs) you obviously the latter is the correct answer but it was something he had to sit with and I think another reason for wanting his children to marry Jewish is because of bringing down and instilling the Jewish values in your children and I had to have that conversation that you have to trust me that I will provide the knowledge that my kids need to have about Judaism because Judaism is important to me. Well, that's the thing. 
is that it has to be important to you. And that's not a decision that you can make for him. Like, even though it's a legacy and it's something, the tradition he wants handed down, if, if Judaism didn't resonate for you, you couldn't make that decision just as that was kind of lost in the legacy for him with me because mm -hmm. it didn't resonate for me. So even though I grew up Jewish and I was bat mitzvah, and then after being bat mitzvah, I did the Jewish confirmation, I ultimately did not follow Judaism as my religion. So um, that that passing down of the torch of the tradition, he didn't get to have with me. He has that with you, but only if you know it was important to you, and it is. So exactly, and you know, I think my mother, for example, grew up going to church every Sunday, and. Christianity didn't resonate with her and she was then introduced to Judaism via our father and felt that that religion resonated with her so much more so she truly converted and raised us as Jewish like I don't know my mother as anything else so I think and I explained that to our father and saying you know I if it's important to me my children will know about it there's no ifs and buts and I think that was also another hard thing for him to grasp. And, you know, I think now as I do become an adult, as he does see me dating, he understands that he'd rather me be happy and with a man that treats me right, who may not happen to be Jewish. And I think you are a perfect example of that. Your husband is an amazing person from what I know and I see, he is an amazing father and he's encompasses everything our father wants for us and wanted for you in a husband. And he's not Jewish, but dad loves him. Dad never felt in better that you were in better hands until you met him. And I think that also allowed him to have a shift in perception and say, hey, you know, there may be some good guys out there that don't happen to be Jewish. And yeah, you know, your husband is a great example and somebody that I would want my husband to have many of those qualities. And, you know, I think you set an amazing tone. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? We all have our stuff, our baggage, but there's one thing about our dad, <clears throat> outside of all of the wild notions and hard exterior and, you know, emotional unavailability. And as a beautiful and poetic wordsmith, his words could tear your heart out and just you die. <laughs> He's got that ability. But dad has really set the bar in all of his positive qualities for what it means to be um, loyal and generous and thoughtful and protective. That's the one thing about dad is the, the crazy dichotomy of me feeling like I could be abandoned at any moment, right? Through my fears and all the shit. But knowing that if there's one man in this world that's going to protect me fiercely, it would be him, that same person. So that's a weird, that's an interesting dynamic, but a, a dichotomy, but he sets the bar for, you know, for me as a woman to, to know exactly what I want and what I don't want, what energy that I want to allow into my life. And that I, that I put the boundary up and say, I'm not going to allow it. So 
dad in all of his imperfect perfection in all of his forms has allowed me and has taught me to really navigate the waters of life to truly figure out who I am and what is best for me, whether or not it agrees with him. He's shown me so much of the world and the realities of his landscape that I was able to really take a look at, at what, who, and where I want to be in life. Yeah. And I think that just brings us to where we are today, that he has raised two amazing women and that we are able to take his legacy, shape it for our own and better it as much as we possibly can and give it to our children. And you and I and our older sister can now create this bond separate from what was once connected through our father and say, let's shape this for how we want it. Cause you know, we were given this bond, this relationship and it was kind of through dad, but now dad's kind of the middleman getting taken out and saying, how does this work for all of us? And I think it's beautiful that we're in a place where in a few weeks we're getting dinner together that if you told me a year ago that that would be the case, that it would be happening without dad, I would have said, unlikely, really. But we really are in this place. And I think the best part about everything is that it's genuine. It's not forced. It's not, oh, I need to do this to make X person happy or satisfy this person. It's These are genuine feelings and genuine efforts that are being put into repairing and sustaining this relationship for years and generations to really come. And I think that's where this podcast really comes from is that I wanted to share how time and emotions and vulnerability and really giving yourself the opportunity to create relationships with people, albeit you may have baggage, but it's not your baggage and to create things that matter to you. Yeah, it belongs. It belongs to you. It belongs to us. It's our authenticity. It's our relationship. And the reality is, is it didn't, you know, kind of start with dad. It, it started with dad. There's no, you know, there's no two ways about it. It all starts there. Dad is what has created this reality that we exist in, um, you know, independent or interwoven within each other's lives. I think the beautiful part about this, and I think that's kind of where where the, the heart of this podcast is, is that you could come from blended families, broken families, whatever your labels are, you know, you could have been adopted, you could have been abandoned, you could have, you know, lost a child, you could have remarried a million times, you could have never gotten married, you could never had kids, whatever, whatever the trauma is, whatever that journey is, is to be able to evolve. I think that's that's what life is all about evolution and growth and change is difficult and it's never convenient and it's it's a hard thing as as a part of our humanness and our, our emotions we don't want to necessarily go to those places of discomfort but within those places of discomfort is where our greatest strength lies and you know where we become more resilient and even stronger than we were before and the most beautiful part about this i think is that for anyone that doesn't feel that there is hope within relationships, it's really a matter of just taking the time to 
be still and ask yourself, how do you really feel about any given circumstance or any given person or relationship in your life? And what do you want it to be? Because we are the ultimate manifestors and creators of our universe. And so if you feel something, or if there's someone that you want to reach out to and talk to, or if there's someone that you're estranged from, or if you have a parent that you've never met, that you want to know who they are, you have the choice to make those changes within your life and to do it in a way that is so healing, you know, and, and to not be afraid, don't shy away from those things, because here we are as a result of taking those authentic steps and taking steps through discomfort, you and I. We're here. We're here. We've arrived and we are now actively creating a future for ourselves because we have a very long life ahead of us, both of you, but not only us, but for our children so that they don't have to endure some of that, some of those pains and some of those traumas and discomfort that we did. We could change that. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate, again, you giving us and me the opportunity and platform for having this conversation and being able to be raw and real. And I think it's beautiful. Well, I, I appreciate you. I love you. I want to tell you how proud I am of you, how grateful I am to the universe that you were put here on this planet to, you know, be part of my life. And I look forward to the rest of the dance, the rest of the journey, because there's a lot of fun stuff ahead for us. So thank you again for, you know, telling me this is something that was really important that you wanted to share with the world, you know, your voice, your words, your feelings, and for allowing me to express, you know, part of my life in that as well. So yeah. thank you. I love you. I love you too. Well, guys, that's been quite a podcast. I got to say, we're almost at two hours. Many of you may be like, yep, not the podcast for me. And many of you may be like, wow, thank you so much for sharing. I'm not alone in this journey. And that is always the point of uh, After Dark. So thank you everyone for tuning in again, After Dark with Jay and the real, real people, real lives, real stories. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Have a good night, everyone.